on, let's shout to the Lord. If God's done all that for you, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, we can do better than that. You know, when somebody from the Cowboys is carrying a pigskin filled with air across a goal line, and somebody from the Eagles throws a ball in the air, and somebody catches it and runs it across the goal line, people swallow their hats. They knock over their popcorn. They fall out of their chairs. We got, but listen, we got something way better than that. We got a Savior, a champion. His name is Jesus, and he's saved. so good. Yes, he is. Well, tell somebody else that you love him. You can find your seat. Praise God. God is good. Amen. Let's thank this anointed worship team, singers and band alike. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's thank them again. Don't you pray there? Anointed, anointed people coming full of the word. Glory to God. Man, they make it easy to minister. We thank God for them. You know, ministry is a partnership between the pulpit and the pew but also between the, the musicians in the pulpit, it's a partnership. We thank God for their supply of the Spirit. You have your Bible tonight. Turn to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 19. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. I'm reading from the New Living, uh, the New Living Bible tonight. New Living Translation. Sorry, New Living Translation. 1 Timothy 1.19, New Living Translation, it says this, cling to your faith in Christ, keep your conscience clear, for some people, having deliberately violated their consciences, as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. And I want to draw as a subject tonight, as a title tonight, get back in the channel of faith. Say that with me, help me with this title. Get back in the channel of faith. I wanna begin showing you a picture tonight and I wanna talk about this picture. You tell me what you see here. You silently tell me what you see. They're gonna show a picture to you. And then um, I want you to, okay, look at this picture now. There's a boat, that's the open ocean out there in the, in the background. Can you see what's next to the boat? It's a bear. A, a bear. How could a bear be next to the boat? Well, the boat has run aground. The, the boat has somehow, uh, if it was heading in or out to the sea there, the, the boat has somehow gotten out of the channel. Now, the word channel, that's, you know, that's a word that's used. Oh, man, you, you use that in electronics, you use that in construction. But also in boating, that word is used. And it's a, a channel is a body of water that connects two larger bodies of water, typically. A channel is a body of water that you go through, like if you're going out to the ocean. My dad had a boat, and we used to go out to the Atlantic Ocean on the East Coast, and we'd go through the channel. We had to go through the channel to get out to the ocean. You come back through the channel. If, you're, uh, if your boat's in a marina or something like that, the channel is the body of water that gets you back to the marina. It's a shallow uh, body of water, and there are strict rules uh, to, to follow when you're in a channel. This, this, this boat here, uh, they, they, they didn't follow the rules. 
And, 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 and the thing when you're boating, the thing you have to do is you have to follow the rules. There are laws, there are rules, and you violate those rules. When my dad taught me how to drive a boat, he said, listen, first thing I'm going to teach you, listen, you better stay within the channel. He taught me all the little nomenclature, you know, like if you're, if you're coming back in from the ocean, there's a saying that boaters use, red, right, return. And that means you're going to keep, the, the, the channel is marked, it's lined by what's called buoys. The buoys float. And you go, you know, ever, you know, so far a distance and you get another buoy and that lets you know you're going the right way back. And if you follow that on back, it'll take you back to the marina if, if that's what you're doing. And my dad would always say, listen, you got you to stay on the right side of the channel, stay on the correct side of the channel. And, and because if you don't, if you get on the, if you get on the, if you get out of your lane, then you're going to hit another boat. And if you get out of the channel, that, that's going to happen to you. You're going to run aground. Because a lot of times you can't see. You, you can't see what's happening below the surface of the water. Below the surface of the water, it all looks the same depth. And so if you don't follow certain rules and regulations, you're going to get in trouble. And, and here is a very nice boat, man. Look, uh, uh, twin engines on the back of that thing. Uh, that, that thing's got a closed cabin on it. That's a very expensive boat. But it is sitting straight up in the mud. It, it, and, and they have violated the rule. And what they do? They put themselves out of position. And putting themselves out of position exposed them even to the bear. The, the bear's able to come out of hiding. And I'm sure, you know, the bear is smelling food or something like that. God helped the people in that boat. But, but the problem came when they got themselves out of position. And so often the same thing happens to people of faith. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves getting out of position. And I, I want to say some things to you tonight that I believe the Lord laid on my heart to share that will keep us in the channel. And so hence the, the topic tonight, get back in the channel of faith. You know, Jesus used a lot of boating analogies. He used a lot of uh, analogies that had to do that. I think he did that because people could relate to it so easily. And I think also in his wisdom, he knew that those analogies would carry application and interpretation over time, over generation, and not be misinterpreted. Because the laws of buoyancy don't change. And, and when someone's got a boat and they've got to go through a channel, if you don't, oh man, if you, there are certain rules. You know, another thing my daddy always taught me, he said, look, you know, you can't, there's, there's something called, when you're coming in the channel, there's something called a no wake zone, no wake, W-A-K-E, no wake zone. And, and that means you can't just zip through the channel at any speed that you want because your boat's going to create a wave and that wave, the faster you're going, will get larger. And then that wave affects all the other boats that are in the marina. So boats are tied up typically very close to each other. And when somebody comes by and they create a wake or a wave, the wave knocks boats into the dock. The wave knocks boats into each other. The wave, the wake dislodges things. And, and, um, and so tickets are given for people who create wakes in a no-wake zone. They're all kind of things not to do. And, and so my dad would always say, we'd come through the channel and he'd say, Bill, what's your speed? And, you, and, I, and I'd make sure I'd go on and look behind the boat and make sure I'm not creating a wake, you know. And then he'd say, what side of the channel are you on? And then, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd but uh, it, it was just fun learning all those little boating techniques. So tonight, I want to share just a few principles that will keep you and I in the channel in our proper lane. 
I'm speaking really about faith tonight. We're using these boating analogies and, and things that pertain to water in this first part of this message. But uh, really, we're speaking about faith. And, and Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, there are some people who have violated their consciences, and as a result, they have shipwrecked their faith. And God doesn't want that to happen to you and I. It, it, it doesn't matter how that boat left uh, it, its... Uh, it's slip. What's the slip where, where you, where you, if you have a, if your boat is in a marina, it's, you dock it there in what's called a slip. And uh, no doubt it left the marina looking really good. It left the marina looking really fine. It doesn't matter how it left the marina. It ended up outside the channel. Another thing we always were cognizant of when we would go boating, my dad and I, we would, um, we, we would, we would have to know what, what time is the high tide, what time is the low tide. Because the bigger the boat, the, the more you got to be concerned about that. My dad had a, 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 a 30-foot sea ray, uh, and that thing had two levels in it, two sleeper berths, a little galley downstairs, and, and uh, just, we, we just had so much fun on that boat. And, um, but, but the bigger the boat, you have, to know the dra- you have to know how much water it takes for the boat to float underneath it. How much water does it disperse and so forth? And, and so, so when, it, when it was low tide, we didn't go, and, we didn't go and, uh, out in, our, in the boat uh, in low tide because there was so much more you had, to, you had to be careful of. We'd wait till it was high tide before we launched the boat and, uh, and, and bought the boat back. And oftentimes we were thinking about high tide when we were thinking about what time are we going to come back and what will the tide be when we get back? What's the weather going to be? All these things to keep from shipwrecking the boat. And so the scripture admonishes you and I with a few principles we're going to share tonight to keep you and I from shipwrecking our faith. Can you say amen to that? Go with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, if you will, please. Luke chapter 5. Jesus was standing on the shore and a large crowd gathered. And, uh, and, and, and Jesus decided that uh, he was going to speak to them uh, from a boat. And I want to read these uh, 11 verses real quick and make the first principle to you uh, that we're going to share about how to keep from shipwrecking your faith. Get back in the channel of faith. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Verse four, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets for a catch, to catch some fish. Verse five, master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before the Lord. And he said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was all struck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed 
And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Jesus took that experience out on the water and converted it into a teaching that really encouraged them that he was going to teach them how to fish for people. And there are some similar principles. Get back in the channel of faith. Now, one thing I want to draw attention to here in Luke chapter 5 is where when Jesus finishes teaching, he tells Peter to go out into the deeper water. King James, launch out into the deep. He tells him, launch out into the deep and out into the deeper water and let down your your nets for a catch. And you know, we read what Peter said. He said, Lord, we fished all night. In other words, he said, we professional fishermen. We, We know how to fish. We fished all night, didn't catch anything. And even no doubt the time of day when Jesus wanted them to go fishing would have been the wrong time to go. But Peter had learned something at this point. And Peter said, you know, my natural thinking is, It ain't the right time. We already fished all night. We didn't clean these nets already. It's too much work to go back out there. It ain't no fish out there. We already been out there. Our experience is telling us that this will not work. Oh, but then Peter said the magic words. He said, but because you say so, at your word, if if you're giving me a word to do it, Peter said, "We'll we'll, we'll launch out to the deep and we'll drop the nets again. Peter had learned a valuable lesson. What's your first point here? Here's my first point. Don't let your experience determine your belief system. I wish I could get one amen there. We we got too many Christians today. They're, 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 They're shipwrecking. They're shipwrecking their faith because they allow their experience to determine what they believe. You, you need to let what you believe determine what you experience. And, and, and the thing that's tricky is that sometimes our experience can be like Peter. From a natural perspective, he said, look, we fished all day, we, uh, we fished all night, we didn't catch nothing. And my experience is telling me this is the wrong time of day. This is the wrong time to go. This is not going to yield a, a fruitful end. Oh, but at the word of the Lord, at the word of the so we got too many people who say, well, you know what? I I didn't experience healing, and because I didn't experience healing, it must not be real. Uh Uh-oh. You're going to shipwreck your faith like that on the subject of healing. Oh, brother won't get an amen teaching like that. I said, you can't let your personal experience determine your belief system. Our belief system has to be determined by the Word. Now, we can work out whatever our experience is. You understand what I'm saying? When When I first learned how to hit a baseball, I struck out a number of times. I struck out so much. My dad told me one time, he said, he said, I was watching you swing. He said, I, the coach, was the coach telling you to miss the ball? <laughs> he said, I watched you swing, but I concluded the coach must have been telling you to miss the ball, to, to swing and miss. I'd missed so many times. But then I, I was trying to apply the principles of hitting, but then I determined I, I, I'm, I, I'm applying the principles of hitting, but I can't hit that ball. But I determined there are certain principles. I'm going to follow those principles. And every night I started, every night before I'd go to bed, I'd take 50 swings every night. I had mirrors in my basement where I could level, I could see if my swing was level. I'd take 50 swings. I'd, I'd watch my, my stride, my six inch stride. And, 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 and I practiced every, I went to see my neighbor 
Oh, man, it must have been 30 years later. You know what she told me? She said, Billy, I can still remember you cracking a ball. Your dad set up some batting thing in the backyard. We're trying to go to bed, you swinging at that batting thing. We're trying to go to bed. You're hitting the baseball out there in the backyard. <laughs> but what, what are you saying? I, I'm saying you can't afford. You, you're, listen, your you're, you're, you're core teaching, your doctrine, your belief system about how the Lord wants to prosper you, you can't let your own current experience determine whether or not you believe that. You've got to let God's word determine what your belief system is. There's a drastic difference between the two. And so many Christians today, so many Christians today, they just allow their, 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 their experience to guide them in and out of the channel of faith. Their experience to guide them in and out of the channel, in and out of the lane. Their experience. And, and they say, well, if I'm doing well, then prosperity must be true. If, if I'm experiencing healing, healing must be true. If I'm experiencing salvation, salvation must be true. But when they don't experience those things, at least in the way that they deem uh, acceptable, then they say, well, it's not true. None of it's true. And people weave in and out of faith. And when people are outside that channel, you're saying it's just a matter of time. When, you, when, you see, when you're in the channel and you see boats out of the channel, you're saying it's just a matter of time. Oh, please help me get back in that channel. Because they're going to hit a tree stump. They're going to hit something underneath that water that you can't see. Don't let your experience determine your belief system. If Peter had let his experience determine his belief, listen to me now. If Peter had let his experience determine his belief system, he never would have gone back out there. His experience was we fished all night. We didn't catch nothing. My experience does not agree with what the Lord said. And most people quit right there. My experience does not agree with what the Lord said, so therefore I will not. And they shipwreck their faith in the area of prosperity or in the area of healing or in the area of God's provision or in whatever area it is. We've got too many shipwrecked Christians, good people, violating principles of faith. Whatever Somebody says, well, I, I, I prayed for grandma and grandma died. There might be reasons you don't know about. We try to lump everything into one simple category so we can figure it out in our mind. Can I tell you this? As a revelation, you and I don't know everything. I know a brother won't get an amen on that. We don't know everything. And just because somebody you know may not have received the way you thought they should, that doesn't mean it's still not true. Oh, brother won't get no amen teaching on that. I could move on to my next point if I got a big amen. Thank you, Greg. Try to help me before, Reverend Greg, try to help me before I got up here. Don't let your experience determine your belief system. Let's go on. I think I extracted all the amens I can get from there. <laughs> go with me. Uh, let's, let's go to 2 Chronicles this time. Let's, let's, let's go to 2 Chronicles. In fact, let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. What's your second point, Brother Bill? Don't neglect the natural. Don't neglect the natural. What was your first point? Don't let your experience determine your belief system. What's your second point? Don't neglect the natural. Here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, um, we have uh, a story about 
Jehoshaphat, and uh, not 20, I'm sorry, 30, that is a great story, but where I want you to go is 32, forgive me, 2 Chronicles 32, 2 Chronicles 32. Don't neglect the natural. Look here at verse 24, 2 Chronicles 32, verse 24. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. He was the king, uh, king of Israel. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. He prayed to the Lord who healed him and gave him a miraculous sign. Look down at verse 29. He built many towns and acquired vast flocks and herds for God had given him great wealth. And then uh, at the end of verse 30, it says, and so he succeeded in everything that he did. But uh, there at verse 24, it mentions briefly that he became deathly ill. He prayed to the Lord and the Lord healed him and gave him a miraculous sign. But this same story is recorded in other places in scripture. And I wanna go and because the other places in scripture give us more detail of what was actually uh, transpiring uh, in his life. And um, so uh, I want you to go with me to Second um, Kings. We're going to pick up the same story. We, we read there that Hezekiah was healed. This time go with me to Second Kings chapter 20. Second Kings 20. So what point are you making, preacher? Don't neglect the natural. Verse 20, about that time Hezekiah became deathly ill and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you, have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah left the middle of the courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears, and I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city. Now, all my life, I've heard this story, and I love this story about how God healed King Hezekiah and how... Uh, you know, this story highlights just how instantly God hears our prayers. One moment, Isaiah, the prophet's with him, telling him, the Lord sent me to tell you, get your house in order. You're going to die. Isaiah can't even get back out to his mule or horse or steed, whatever he came in on. He's not even able to get to that before the Lord speaks to Isaiah and says, turn around, go back in there. Go back in there and tell him I heard his prayer. Tell him I saw his tears. I heard his prayer. I see his repentance and tell him I'm going to give him 15 years. That is typically where this story ends when people share it. What point am I making? What's my second point? You help me. Thank you, brother. Don't neglect the natural, right? So, but now when you look down a little bit further, we get a little more detail about this story because, uh, okay, we just finished there uh, at, uh, what is it, five? We just finished reading verse five. Slip down to verse seven. Then Isaiah said, make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servants spread the ointment over the boil and Hezekiah recovered. Did you just see that? You say, what point are you making? God said he was going to heal Hezekiah. But, but before Isaiah leaves, Isaiah gives him an instruction. He gives those around him, take a cake of figs and make an ointment from that cake of figs 
and put it on his infected boil and he's going to heal. He was given a directive. Even though God said, I'm going to heal you, God gave him something to do in the natural. Stay with me now. Sometimes we think that healing only works one way. Well, stay with me. I lost all my amens. But, 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 but God can heal any number of ways. And, and when God gives you a directive, something to do in the natural, don't neglect the natural. Because before, before Isaiah leaves, he tells him, look, go, God said he's going to heal you. God said he's going to give you 15 years. Now go get a cake of figs. Make an ointment from that. Put it on that infected boil. And Hezekiah is going to recover. The way he got healed was through something very natural. God, God supernaturally did it, but, but, but he told him, go and get that cake of figs and make an ointment out of it and put it on that boil. And so often, so often, people of faith neglect the natural. Get back in the channel of faith. As, as it concerns simple things like our health, do you know we have a responsibility to take care of ourselves? And it's different for all of us. We shouldn't have anybody just, you know, setting... Uh, legalistic rules for anybody, but everybody, you know, what, what I'm suggesting is listen to the Holy Spirit about you. God knows all about you. But you know, it's a good thing to take your vitamins. And especially the older you are, young people don't think about that a lot, but the older you are, the better. Listen, you need to take your vitamins. Brother won't get no amen teaching like that. Say, what sermon did he preach? Take your vitamins. That wasn't my sermon. I, I said, don't neglect the natural. And, 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 and sometimes you might need to go walking. You might need to get some walking. You might need to get some exercise. You say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm going to cast the calories out of these donuts. <laughs> so, so often we're neglecting some sound principle in the natural. And I'm, saying, I'm not saying we got to all walk around chewing on bamboo sticks and stuff like that. But listen, whatever the Holy Spirit witnesses to you, do that. He knows all about you. He knows all about your body. Can I tell you this? He knows about your finances. Brother won't get no amen on that. And, and sometimes the Holy Spirit's saying, don't buy that. And, and sometimes it ain't time to buy. Sometimes it's time to budget. Brother won't get no amen on that word. <laughs> sometimes it's time to believe God for something rather than act on it right then. Don't neglect sound principles from the natural. Paul, listen, Paul, they let Paul down a ball. They let Paul out, 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 outside a wall to escape persecution in a basket in the night to run away and go to preach another day. What was he doing? He didn't neglect the natural. And so often we have people who shipwreck their faith. Get back in the channel of faith because they neglect the natural. Don't neglect the natural. Listen, here's another point. Here's another point. Third, don't overlook the supernatural. I said, don't overlook the supernatural. In this uh, story, go with me to Isaiah real quick. We got to run faster. You got to run faster than that. Come on. We're going to Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah 38. Isaiah 38. Here's this same story again. <laughs> and uh, just for the sake of time, I'll, 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 uh, it's, it's the same account. It's, it's, it's a similar account. This, there's an account of this story. As I say, we read 2 Kings 
20, we're here in Isaiah 38. You can go to Jeremiah 26. There are so many accounts in scripture of Hezekiah's healing. But, but these two places, it mentions that the cake of figs is what God used to help him recover. In verse 21, 38, 21, you can see that same reference there. But listen, don't overlook, listen, my third point, don't overlook the supernatural. Why do you say that? Because God also gave him a miracle. God, God told him, he said, listen, not only am I going to heal you, I'm going to give you a miraculous sign. And in the story, I'm just going to paraphrase because it's the sake of time. In the story, God says, listen, tell me what you want me to do. I'm going to prove to you that I'm going to heal you. And, and on the sundial, we'll either make the sundial go forward uh, or we'll make the sun down the steps or we'll make the sundial come backwards up the steps. In other words, God was saying, I will reverse time and prove to you that I'm such an awesome God. I've got the power to reverse time in my hand. And he told Hezekiah, pick which one you want. Hezekiah said, well, reverse the time. And the sundial, the sun, shadows of the sun went back up the steps. And Hezekiah went to the temple and praised God. And of course, God healed him. But, but and, and that part was miraculous. But, but the figs were supernatural. It was natural. It was a natural substance. But God still supernaturally healed him using a natural substance. What's your point here? Don't neglect uh, uh, don't overlook, don't overlook the supernatural. Mark 16, uh, I've told you how uh, years ago I was uh, going to see a woman who was from out of town. I told the story many times, I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but uh, she was over at the cancer treatment center, had a body full of cancer. When I got there, the Lord told me before I got out of my car, I asked the Lord, what should I share? He pointed out Mark 16, the, the, the believers will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. And, I, and I've told you before how she was in her bed about to have surgery and I held my Bible up and, to Mark 16 and said, would you read that? And she said, believers will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. She cried because she had lost her faith. She'd gotten out of the channel of faith. She'd shipwrecked her faith. And she said, I keep believing and then it doesn't happen. I don't see it instantaneously and it doesn't happen. And I said, would you read that again? And she read it, believers will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. I said, would you read it again? Believers will lay hands on the sick. And then her eyes got real big. And she said, oh, I see it, I see it, I see it. She said, Pastor, go ahead and lay your hands on me. I'm going to live through this surgery. And she said, and I'm, and I'm healed. I accept my healing right now. And I'm not going to waver in unbelief going back and forth and back and forth. She said, I see it right now. She said, I've been, I've, I've been waiting for an instantaneous miracle. If I didn't get it instantaneously, then I lost all my faith. I threw my faith away. She said, but, but recovery is just as much a supernatural move of God as if he instantly healed me and I'm going to stop telling God how to heal me and I'm going to go by his word and I'm going to stand on this word and I'm going to recover it all. And I told you six months later, she came down the aisle, gave me a big old bear hug, had two charts. They gave her over there at the cancer treatment center. One showed cancer all in her body and the other one showed no cancers. Took, took, char took x-rays of the same area, no cancer. Gave me a big old hug. Came back year after year, did that. Came back for her checkups, did that. Gave me, come down here, come, come to cheer for church before she fly back to New York and then give me a big old hug. The fifth year, I went over to Cancer Treatment Center with her. They had a big old party over there. Surgeon came out and said, Reverend, uh, you know, we wanted this, anybody who helped someone get free of cancer. We're all working on the same team. She told us how you helped her, how you gave her the scriptures. That really helped her faith. And, 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 and so listen, don't overlook the supernatural. Don't tell God how to do it. God providing extra income for you, 
because your job offered you overtime is just as supernatural as if somebody knocked on your door and put money in your pocket. We act like if God told us to go to work and get it, then, then oh, I didn't get it. That wasn't supernatural. That was supernatural. Stop that. That will shipwreck your faith. He told Peter, we're not going, Matthew 27, 17, he told Peter, Peter said, tax man here, Jesus said, go take a, a one hook, throw it in the water, catch the first fish you catch, bring it up and open its mouth and take a stator out of its mouth and pay your taxes in mine. But so often, God does something supernatural in our life and we don't regard it as such because it wasn't instantaneous or it wasn't a miracle or the sun didn't go back up the steps, but God put a roof over your head and it was supernatural. You ought to say amen. God put bread on your table and it was supernatural. You ought to say amen. God gave you a car to drive and it was supernatural. And you ought to say amen. God has helped you time and time again. He's caused you to recover supernaturally. You ought to say amen. Don't overlook the supernatural. Finally tonight, I'll hit you with this and run. Look, don't, uh, don't chase after the spectacular. Don't chase the spectacular. I know our time is gone tonight, but listen, let me just tell you this. God can heal and touch and provide any way he wants. Our job is to have faith and to believe. I said, amen. And too often God's doing something that was really supernatural, supernatural, and we give him no credit, zip, zilch, nada, no credit for it. And it was supernatural. They promoted you on your job. That was supernatural what God did for you. You got that house and really shouldn't have. It was supernatural what God did for you. But when people don't see the miraculous or the instantaneous, they cut off their faith and they're like, no, 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 and they shipwreck their faith. Get back in the channel of faith. Don't chase after the spectacular. And finally, I'll run on this. Give God all the glory. Give God all the glory. We don't have time to go there, but go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 8 when you get home. God told people, he said, I'm bringing you to a good land. I'm bringing you to a good land, a good land that flows with milk and honey. It's got copper and iron ore and all the things you need. It's a great land. God said, I'm going to remove your enemies out of the land. Then he said this. Now, remember this when you get in there. Deuteronomy chapter 8, read it when you get home. He said, remember this when you get in there. Remember who bought you into the land. Remember who gave you the power to get wealth. He said, after you've built fine homes and lived in those fine homes, then you forget the Lord. You forget and you start thinking, it's my power that did this. It was my job. It was my education that did this. That don't mean two cents worth of nothing. It was the hand of the Lord that provided for you. It was the hand of the Lord that gave you favor. It was the hand of the Lord that opened the door for you. It was the hand of the Lord that provided and gave you everything you have. And God said, don't forget. Don't forget to give God all the glory. Let's pray together. Father, we've endeavored in this time to share those principles from your word that are so important so that we don't shipwreck our faith, Lord. And so we thank you tonight. And we bless you and ask you to help people, no matter where they are on their faith journey, help them to stay in the channel of faith so that their faith is strong and active and help them to stay in the right lane. And Father God, so they'll continue to receive from you. We thank you for it helping us. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is not just a part of what we do. The just shall live by faith. So we thank you for helping us to get back in the channel of faith tonight. In Jesus' name. Someone's been struggling in their faith, Father, and we ask you to help them, heal them, touch them. Somebody's been hurt by something that's happened in their own experience. It didn't quite happen the way they thought. 
Help him tonight, Father. Heal him and touch him. Show him your love and goodness. Remind him that we don't always know everything that happens, the reason why. We can't afford to let our experience determine our belief system. Oh, Father, we can't afford to neglect the natural. We can't overlook the supernatural. We can't chase the spectacular. We can't forget to give you all the glory. Help people, touch them, and heal them every place they hurt. In Jesus' name, amen.